We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome along to the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. We've got a special guest this week in this True Faith studio at our Gosforth HQ, and it's Mark Douglas, Newcastle United editor of the Evening Chronicle. Welcome, Mark. Evening. It's been a couple of years since we've, we've sat down with you, so we're looking yeah. forward, to it, forward to it tremendously. You've got Alex Hurst, Michael Carling, and Adam Widgerton. Hello. And we're here Hello. to talk about, amongst other things, Newcastle United's free-flowing, attacking football win <laughs> against the mighty Southampton at St James's Park yesterday in front of a season-low crowd, which we'll get into. First of all, Mark, um, enjoy the game yesterday? Uh, I enjoyed the result. Um, there's, there's something there's something sort of quite enjoyable about this season so far in that the, the expectations were so low that, you know, results like yesterday were, you know, a kind of, it, it's strange, isn't it? Because five or six years ago, if Alan Pardew was doing this, we'd be sitting here absolutely slaughtering the team they're 10th they're not playing very well but I think expectations have been dulled to the extent where um you know uh, that that was a really really good win but the what you know for 65 minutes it was turgid dreadful the atmosphere is flat but you know the, there's nothing truer than the fact that in football the result dictates everything because suddenly I'm sort of sitting here this morning thinking actually it was quite good fun Andy Carroll coming in and you know and, <laughs> and, and there's something about Andy Carroll I don't know what it is it's it's you know it's getting everybody off their seats so there's enjoyable elements to what's going on at Newcastle United at the moment. Like Alan St. Maximum's, you know, as enjoyable a player as I can remember since probably Hatton Banaf has been been here. And, and it's brilliant to see Andy Carroll there. And, you know, we'll probably get into the Steve Bruce debate. Um, but, you know, I, I can't help but sort of raise a smile at how happy he is to be the Newcastle manager and 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 sort of celebrating the way he was at the end. And there's real emotion in this team. And, and I actually really like this team, that the characters... The, the determination and you can't help but wish them well because of the way that they play and the way that they represent the team and the, the badge and the shirt. And, um, but I just can't quite get my head round around what the dominant theme is of this team because, you know, the, the, they shouldn't be winning games playing like they did yesterday. Um, and I've seen teams, you can see play better than they did yesterday, but, um, but they, they are winning games. So you can't, you can't knock them at the moment. But you just feel like they're going to have to evolve at some point. They're going to have to improve at some point. Otherwise, they're not going to keep getting away with that. But um, but yeah, I, I, if you'd asked me after 70 minutes or 65 minutes or whatever it was, I'd have said, uh, no, this is this is up there with the worst Newcastle home games I've seen for, well, three weeks actually, because they, were, they, weren't, they weren't great a few weeks ago, were they? But then you end up with it. Andy Carroll is the dominant story. John Joe Shelby coming up and actually ended up 
quite enjoying it and sitting in the press conference and listening to a manager who, you know, is, you know, quite honest and open and, and it was quite good fun in the end. But um, yeah, I, I basically, so I'm saying I don't know is the answer. <laughs> who knows? What is going on? What is going on? Adam, same question to you. What is going on? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's been an absolutely incredible week. Seven points in seven days, eight days, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, you know, I, I kind of went into the Southampton game thinking I'd, I would take a draw because I absolutely didn't expect us to get the result that we did on Thursday night. Um, but it's kind of like, um, as, as you say, Mark, it's sort of like, I think the game epitomised sort of Newcastle United under Steve Bruce. I tweeted this after the game. It was kind of like, you know, the first half was just sort of dour. It was turgid. It, we, we, we didn't look like any sort of attacking threat at all. There's no cohesion, over-reliance on Dubravka, who had a worldie again. Um, but then the second half, suddenly you've got Im- attacking impetus and we ha- had a much better defensive shape and, you know, we, they didn't get in as much in the, in the second half. And, you know, we, 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 we had literal bodies being thrown in the way of shots. We had bloody noses. We had people getting kicked in the head like... They were battling for the shirt. They were battling for the manager, and it was it was it was just a complete. Uh, it just the whole game was turned on its head, and you kind of that is Steve Bruce is Newcastle United. You know, Aston Villa was the first half, but then you kind of saw that 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 grit and and passion in that second half that we kind of saw against like Man City. That belief that we can make something, we can get something out of this, we can make something happen. So it's kind of like I'm. I, I've had an absolutely wonderful week watching all three games in the, in the flesh. But there's always just, and I, I was kind of saying, saying to myself at half time, this is why people, not everyone can buy into Steve Bruce because he's always capable of this. Steve Bruce's sides are always capable of like pulling another Aston Villa. And we could have played for a thousand minutes on, on that Monday night and still not looked like we were going to score. And and that's, you know, as I sit next to a, a Sunderland fan at, at work and, he sort of like with a wry smile just said, Steve Bruce has always got a three-month winless run in him, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's really, really true. And it, you, it's something, it's like a nagging doubt at the back of your mind that you can't fully, fully just immerse yourself in, in the joy of it because you know, and you, you know, that there's probably going to be a bad, you know, some a, a bad run of results around the corner that we're going to have to scrap through and scrape through. And the fact Looking at it positively, you know, we still have pretty sound defence, certainly at home. And if you consider the sort of the last few games, you know, we scored three against West Ham, we scored two against Bournemouth, we scored two against Man City, we scored two against Sheffield United, we scored two against... You know, we, we this is a team that wasn't scoring a lot in the in the first few games of the season. So to see... And you know what? I don't... I, I personally don't... I just don't care if... I don't care if defenders are scoring. Brilliant. I don't care. It doesn't matter who scores the goals. It doesn't matter as long as we're scoring them. And like you say, Mark, the results ultimately will dictate mood. It will dictate everything. And as long as we're winning games, like while we're on this run that we are on, we need to get. We need to gather as much sort of momentum and points as possible because we need to compensate for when things are going to go south and we're going to have to be in a real scrap again. Well, that's what we've done quite well so far, isn't it? We've kind of got ourselves a little bit. I mean, I know the, I know the table is very tight, but we've we've bought ourselves a little bit of wiggle room. And if it does go wrong, and you know, when you look back over the past couple of performances, we'll come out with some good results. But a few things in those performances don't go our way, and things look very, very, very different. You know, we don't get the winner at the weekend. We're only, what is it, 
two points away from the relegation zone or something. You know, there's a few games this season that have kind of gone on in our favour on a bit of a knife edge, and things could be very different. But you have to just ultimately say they're not like we are where we are, and we are. We're, I think we are where we deserve. We've we've played well in patches this season. We've ground out results when we probably didn't quite deserve them this season. And a lot of the credit for me has to go to Bruce. You know, I've I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. Despite everything that I thought in the summer, he's doing all right, and he he's got us playing well. And one thing you you said there, Mark, about him enjoying it, I I feel a little bit sad for him that he that he hasn't taken any of the, of the acclaim or the credit. And there was a definite audible, it was quiet, but an audible clamour from people around us in Sheffield that wanted him to come down to your end. And you still haven't really seen him leave his own technical area to to get any of that credit. And you know, I I was. I would have been pleased to see him come down the pitch to to the away stand on Thursday night and, and take a round of applause that I think he's, he does deserve. Thursday night was the night there was near us, there was the first minute Steve Bruce's black and white army yeah, in the away like, end. Bro, people were singing it like <laughs> almost like they wanted it not to be them that got yeah. so singing it. Like, <laughs> Do you think he was like almost embarrassed? Was, you know? Well, I went to Preston in the first friendly in the in the summer at, uh, and there was somebody chat. There was there was a little chant of it, and I remember I tweeted something and got accused of uh, <laughs> accused of peddling fake news. I was like, I was there. <laughs> it's true. It did happen. Uh, how long did it take? The, how long did it take Alan Pardew to kind of get get sung about and Chris Hutton as well? Because bear in mind, obviously now looking back, Chris Hutton very popular at Newcastle, but I remember at the time. It, I mean, he he got the job off the back of a loss to. Nottingham Forest and Scunthorpe and wasn't popular at all and it took a while for, for fans to kind of accept him I think the, I think the problem is it's a bit like kind of coming out in favour of him on social media because everybody knows you can trace back those those tweets and and, and that's going to get quote tweeted in April like you said when they've lost four <laughs> games and it was like yesterday I, I, I think I'd, I was looking at the, where you know the, the, the start after 16 games where does it stack up in terms of the last 10 years because Newcastle haven't been brilliant in the last 10 years in terms of Premier League and it's the best since 2014-15 and I was looking at that season and they were I think fifth in December and, and actually like not far off um, the top four and then obviously they ended up having to 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 win on the final day to, to stay up so you kind of like I think we're all a little bit worried before going do you know what fair play Steve Bruce this is let, let's start writing the pieces about what how it's gone right at Newcastle because you're just worried that like is this reality is this where we are but um, but I think if you speak to Sheffield Wednesday fans probably speak to Villa fans Sunderland fans as well they'll all tell you that there's that there is a basic competence to, to Steve Bruce that wasn't really acknowledged in the summer. He described um, himself as that during the week, did, didn't he? Someone said he doing a, what was it? I think Gary Lineker. Yeah, Gary Lineker said excellent. And and he basically, I think, that was my question actually, because I saw Gary Lineker had said this thing, you're excellent. And he went, and he sort of went, oh, I don't know about excellent. I, I'm competent. And I thought like, <laughs> and that sort of sums the guy up. And, uh, you know, it, he, he relies on man and management. I think, I think tactically, probably... The, what surprised me is because I was worried after the first few games because you felt like here's a guy who hasn't been in the Premier League. There's a lot of different trend, tactical trends that have happened in the Premier League since he was last in there. You know, a lot of like the Klopp and uh, and all these things. And what's been really nice is that that he it has worked. And I'll tell you, there's a few things that that you notice that are working. Um, set pieces are better than. Um, they have been for a while um, because they were great in Rafa's first year, but then they really fell away the second two years because I think teams just found them out. But they've, they've got some real light. If you look at Saturday, I think there were a few times where they're playing different angles. They were playing short balls and things like that. And, and they're getting a bit out, out of that. So that's been really, really good. Um, 
and I think he's not overcomplicating things. They're playing a pretty, you know, the, the players are kind of like not being micromanaged as they were before. They're basically being told a way to play. It's a very simple way to play, really. Um, they're sticking to what they know. And then one or two players like your Shelvies and some Maximans are, are kind of being given a bit more freedom than they were last season. And it's working okay at the moment. Um, it's just whether anybody sort of works them out a little bit. Yeah. But, but what you know, what is there to work out? Teams are trying to break him down, aren't they? I mean, Villa, you know, you said, I think, I think the Villa thing's a really good example, isn't it? Because that was so bad and Leicester was so bad. That's why nobody's getting carried away because yeah. you're thinking, look, they could go to Burnley on Saturday and lose 3-0 and then Palace at home. You could, And it's all like, I mean, I was looking at this week and thinking like you, like you probably was thinking, okay, they got that win against Man City, but oh, Sheffield United's a difficult place. They could lose that one. Then a, a turgid draw against, and then, and then you're into Man United and then it's Leicester on you. And, and you kind of, that's, the mentality that Newcastle United brings at the moment, isn't it? You're always waiting for the next bad thing to happen. <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't be that way, but but unfortunately, because of what's happened, that that's the way. It, that's the way it is. It's like once bitten, twice shy, though, isn't Hopefully. it? We've all been there before, yeah. so everyone's probably just got an extra air of cautiousness yes. from from this season. I like that little, that little slip from you there with the win over Man City, Mark. I totally agree. Oh, win, yes, sorry. Pretty much was a win. We won, we won like one, yeah. We won two, two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, you know, like you said, and that, that, that this is. Newcastle United in the past, mostly in relegation battles, or when we've threatened, had teams threatened to, you know, turn average seasons into relegation battles. We've had a season defining week, and it's and it's gone really well. And the last time I can think of this happening was probably Championship season on a rough one. We had Reading, Huddersfield, and Brighton, and even then, I remember saying on this podcast, "This is just so unlike us." It is just unlike us to forgetting the performances for a minute to pretty much extract the maximum that we could have done. We've played a range the of teams. really need it as well. <laughs> we've, we've played the you know a very good team, Man City, an average team so far in terms of Sheffield, and a poor team in terms of Southampton. And we've looked as capable in in all three games. Whereas you know you'd think you'd think our performance level would differ slightly, but we've kind of been as passive in all three, defended well in all three, and picking up seven points. If you're gonna you know pick up seven points in three games, not many teams go down who pick up seven points in a week. You know one key thing for me. Mickey, because you're, you're keen to praise the manager, is that I think me five times, I've just had a quick look, five times in, in the whole of Rafa's reign, did we manage to come from behind and win? We've already done that twice this season, and that was, you know, over three years. Um, and I think every single game will get better at halftime. And you remember Pardew, that was the, it was the mm, opposite. Yeah. It was, what, what's he telling them at halftime? And even some people in the difficult times under Rafa would say, what's he telling them at halftime? I think, I'm almost thinking, you know, I think with 31 minutes on Saturday, I was like, let's get the half-time here and we'll come out better in the second half. And we did, albeit we went behind after half-time, we were noticeably better after the break. So do you think you know fans need to look past maybe just the performances and think actually the things that the manager does, like team selection and like tactical switches and half-time team talks are, are going well? You have to think that now, don't you? I mean, for a team to come out worse after half-time, you really kind of have to be looking at the players and blaming the players for that. For a team to come out better after half-time, it's at least partly down to the manager because it's something that they've done, and it's been it's been quite obvious that Bruce has made changes at halftime during during the past couple of weeks, and especially this week at, at Sheffield and and at the weekend, um, there was obvious minor tweaks, and you know the Carroll substitution just after halftime was was the real defining factor, but there was an obvious difference in mindset and different in position difference in positioning of the players after halftime, and it was really effective. That's that's why I'm keen to praise Bruce at the minute, because he's doing things that I just assumed were beyond him. He's making minor tweaks in games that are that are really like generating positive results. 
And I find it difficult to argue against that now. Like it, the the results are there on the pitch, and it's been no more apparent than this week. And you know, you could say the same against Man City as well. Against Man City, we came out in the second half and we looked like a better side. We looked good in the first half, like contrary to the the previous two games where I thought at Sheffield we were below par in the first half and, and progressed into the second half. And this weekend, obviously, we were absolutely terrible in the first half and, and much better. Still not quite good enough, really, overall, looking at the whole picture, but much better in the second half than we were in the first. And you have to give a lot of the credit for that to the, to the manager. And you look at somebody, somebody like him shoving Sean Longstaff on, Falmeron, towards the end of that game, within minutes, he'd fired off that shot that led to the winner. Yeah. You know, that's... But to play devil's advocate, um, I felt that... Uh, Thursday night, there was an error in terms of substitutions. I thought he should have brought Sam Axeman off. He was visibly crocked. He was visibly limping around to the point that he didn't even want to dribble anymore. He actually played like the... F- he tried to play like a, a chipped through ball, like Andy Carroll. That's, and it's just like, I've never seen Sam Axeman do that before because he's never needed to because he always just dribbles his way into the final third. I, disag- um, I disagree with you. I, I, really, I really thought Atsu should have come on earlier in that game because it looked like... And because we had... Because Sam Maximan's injury problems at the start of the season, because we had three games in a week and it's got to the end of this game um, against Southampton and now he's going to be he's going to miss quite a critical period, I thought. And that's that's a huge shame. And I you know I largely agree with what you're saying, Mickey. Um, his tweaks and substitutions, timings of as well, have been largely excellent. But I thought that was a that was a real that was a real error, I thought. Yeah, he admitted himself yesterday in the press conference that that he was you know, kicking himself a little bit about that. I think that was something I remember from the Sunderland days as well, that there was, you know, I I, I went down and did a, a piece with the um, sports scientist at the end of last season and um, they all sung um, Benitez's praises because it was very much a case that like he, he had that kind of, you know, they, they didn't get many injuries and I think Rafa will push it a little bit more. He's maybe, uh, sorry, Rafa, um, Bruce will push it a little bit more. God, this is... The, Rafa you know, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce will push it a little bit more. He's that old, kind of older school um, manager where he may take a risk, a little bit of a risk. And I think that Sir Maxman was in the red zone, I think probably after what happened on Thursday. He did the checks. I think medically they looked at him and probably said he was 50-50 to play. They, they, they played him and he did make a big difference because the first half... I didn't think it was his best game, actually. But first off, he was the only one who looked like he was going to do anything. But like, but like you said, it, it, my worry is that, you know, if, if, if he misses a few games, where's it going to come from? But having said that, Atsu actually hasn't let anybody down, has he, when he's played? He's actually been really good. At, uh, he's actually done, done quite well. And, you know, I think that's another thing that, that Bruce deserves a bit of credit for is the players, some players are actually playing better. Um, I, I like that about, Rafa, uh, the, the t- players got better. Um, it was the, the main criticism, wasn't it, of Pardew, I think, really, that players tended to either plateau or get worse. Yeah. But actually, you're seeing a few players in this squad who, who are looking playing better. I mean, Fernandez was a Rafa sign in sign because he, you know, he, he, he knew him and, and wanted to play. But he's actually been better this season, I think, than he's played before. Clark's playing better. Um, Dubravka's probably got better, actually, yeah. as well. Um, you know, there's a few of them. Uh, Shelvo's, Shelvo's definitely playing better. Um, there's not many of them, actually. Apart from Jalinton, I wouldn't say there are any of them, really, who who aren't sort of extracting as much as they can. I don't think there's anybody that you'd say is re- is playing poorly. Um, Mankio's doing well, isn't he? I yeah. mean, that's... Mankio, like... I mean, he was literally somebody Rafa signed as a sort of, I've got to bring somebody in. And Bruce is sort of getting more out of him, so... Long may it continue at the moment. I mean, we always make it all about the manager, but the players deserve a massive amount of credit. And when you say like, um, 
you know that the players are getting better after half time. I think what's happening is that that when um, Rafa had them up in the in the championship, this is the same sort of group, really, isn't it? There's been a few changes, but it's very similar group that's been there with them for three years. I think they're learning more about how to win Premier League games because that's definitely the kind of game in the first season. I mean, we saw there was a run, wasn't there, of, of games where Newcastle conceded late goals and um, Benitez was tearing his hair out because he was like, we sometimes we just have to settle for a point, not go looking for the win because these are all important points. And I think they're, they're really streetwise, this group, and adding Carroll, who's, I've never seen a player win as many free kicks yeah. as, as Andy Carroll. Like the, 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 the myth about him was that he gives them away, but he wins them. I mean, I mean, the amount of time he spends in his own half winning free kicks off people try to fouling him is 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 insane. And he is the most streetwise player in that squad. And he's added, he's added that sort of thing. And and and, and you know, I, I think what's really nice about that is I think we all thought Carroll, you know, would come play four or five games and he'd be a bit. It was a bit of a vanity signing to get everybody on board. Um, I still liked it even like that because I think sometimes that's what you need to do. You need to be be a bit romantic and bring somebody in like that. Um, but actually he's turned into, people tell you at the training ground, he's really good with the, the other players, you know, they all love him. He's working with Jalinton. I think he's work, he's, he's sort of working with the other strikers, giving them, you know, he, he's a bit of a conduit with Bruce as well. Um, you know, he's obviously settled down a little bit off the field as well because he's got family now. And and you sort of think, like fair play, that's that's a good sign. As much as the 40 million they've spent on Jalinton looks like, at the moment, a dodgy investment. At the moment, you know, he's still got a long, long career to go and I don't think we should write him off yet. But you'd say that free transfer could end up being the most important business. And I think every, a lot of people I spoke to thought it was a cynical PR ploy, but it's actually, you know, it's actually turned out to be a, a key a key, uh, key signing. I think Carol falls into what we talked about at the start of the show, what people, particularly those who aren't going to the game, you know, deciding whether to get back involved or not. And if you look, Carroll's out of contract at the end of the season. Fernandez is out of contract at the end of the season. Two of the best players so far. And normally, I say normally, but the perception would be those two players looking for another club, not interested. And if you try and find two players given more than those two on the pitch at the minute, it would be really difficult. And it goes back to what you were saying about Bruce and players. It, it just seems to be something, you know, Ian Murta was here a few weeks ago and made a great, a great point that after the Leicester game, he hung a lot of those players out to dry publicly, quite mm. rightly, even though he had to take some blame for the mad switch to fought the back against yeah. one of the best teams in Europe. But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and there, was, there was no negative backlash, whereas Carver, you know, tried it. It absolutely spectacularly mm. failed after the last, after the same opposition, Leicester 3-0. Um, and he just seems to have something about him. One of the It's about a collective character of the players as well, I think that, because... I've, you know, uh, uh, the biggest worry that I think we all had was that this was another McLaren and that it would, it would just, uh, uh, but, but what's been really good is the way that those players have reacted to that, that Leicester defeat. And they've won five games and only lost two since then. They've had some tough games. Um, you have to give the players masses of amounts of, of, of credit. And I know there's been better teams at Newcastle United um, in the last 30, you know, in the years of the Premier League, m- much better teams but I'm not sure there've been too many where collectively the spirit and character is as good as this lot, and the work rate as well. Yeah, you know, it's really, it's really apparent that the lads are running running a lot and putting a lot of effort in, which it does make a big difference. Last six games, only Leicester and Liverpool have picked up more points than yeah. us. That's, that's yes, since that. since the less since that Leicester defeat, we've uh, we've accumulated 17 points, which is the fourth best. Yeah. The fourth highest in the entire league. That's that's more really? than Wolves, City, that, um, Man City, Man United, Sheffield United, Tottenham. You know, 
it's that resort could have killed that resort could have killed could have absolutely done for Steve Bruce yeah, oh, yeah. because if they lose the next yeah if they lose the next it's three games, Chelsea, isn't it after that uh, you, you're sort of thinking yeah it's this is this is what to, this is sacking territory really because Newcastle are gonna have to make a decision um if they lose three games and then they go into the next one and lose that one I think we were all thinking that after Leicester this this could go this could go I mean it felt like this, everything was unraveling um and then they beat Man United They've had, you know, they've had, they've had a little bit of luck along the way because the Longstaff story was a great, a great story that got people kind of. It was the first positive thing that had come out of Newcastle for a while, wasn't it? We all felt like that's something to get behind, and then you've got now you've got the Carroll story and St Maximin, and you know, it, it, it's a funny season because I thought this was going to be horrible, but it's actually turned out to have a few nice little tales, hasn't it? So like you say, like this human interest kind of, yeah. kind of notion that you're talking about here, it's sort of. You know, something I noticed on social media straight after the Southampton result is the likes of uh, Willems and Hayden, you know, posting posting sort of on Instagram or tw- Twitter or whatever, kind of saying, great great three points, not my best game. And it was like, there's, there's almost just like this air of humility, like no one's, there's, there's no arrogance, there's no, everyone's, everyone very much understands what's required of them mm. and the standard that they need to hit and that we probably did you know, push our look a little bit and, and have done. But, you know, obviously brilliant that they, they were part of that win, but it's really encouraging to know that they think that they can do better. Well, there's, no, there's no Kabai, Sissoko, Remy, Barr, who were always looking for the next move and it must be so difficult for a dressing room. And it's it's bad that we don't have players that are like so in demand yet because I think I think if St. Maximan scores five goals yeah. this season, he'll be, you know, away because better teams than us will, will want his kind of impact. But... We are the kings, Newcastle United fans. We are the kings of the part-time league table. You know, since this date or this game, we yeah, you know yeah. last season it was like ever yeah. since we beat this team, we're seventh <laughs> best in the league. Doesn't work like that, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you have to look at all of the games you lose. But um, Mickey, let's talk about the game a little bit. Yesterday, we've talked about. I mean, there's nothing to say from the first half apart from Martin Dubravka making two brilliant saves. He got. He got a. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. He got another standing ovation from the crowd, from near enough everyone in there. The second time that's happened this season. You know, we mentioned, well, you mentioned about Alex. Um, it was Man City, the, the, Sterling, the Sterling chance right yeah. at the end. People don't get standing ovations other than for goals, really, ever. And uh, the Bravos had two this season. Um, he's really come. He's really come on, hasn't he? Yeah, it's it's nice to see that we're once again seeing that people we thought we had eighteen months ago, two years ago, nearly bloody hell. So when he when he first signed. We, th- we thought we had a player again who would be naturally suited at a better level, but the last twelve months it hasn't really been there for him, for whatever reason. And again, Steve Bruce, he, he got, you know, we, we have slated him loads this season, so we we'll have to say if anyone thinks that you know we're being we'll change with Truman, we we'll have because Martin Dubravka, John Joe Shelby, who you want to talk about Adam, they're a, they're a shadow of the players that they were at the start of the season. Yeah, and in terms of like Dubravka, I mean. I like to look at some of the stats and sort of like trying to cut through all those, you know, all the analytics. In terms of sort of what Opta call big chances, which is essentially just a clear cut chance that you would, a player would be reasonably expected to score in the last three ga- in the last three games this this week that we've had, Martin Debrack has, has faced seven, yet he's conceded three, all in, you know, in total. And you look at sort of the header, the Ollie McBurney header on Thursday night. You look at the Raheem Sterling. Shot, which I still think you could have done better on, but it was a very, it was a very agile save. Um, and you look at that one-on-one with uh, Nathan Redmond against Southampton. You know these, these are all shots that would reasonably be expected to be goals, and he's keeping them out, and he's he's making such a big difference. Um, and he just, I, I tell you what, I noticed against it's particularly Man City and, and and Sheffield United games. It's almost like he had that kind of that 
penalty box invincibility again. You just know that everything he went up for was just going to stick to his gloves like glue. Like, I've kind of got that that full trust in him again. Like, and I, he's he's looking absolutely invincible at the minute, and he's in he's just in insane form, and he's getting the love from the crowds every time you know every time he makes a save or two, which is going to spur him on as well. It's really feel good stuff, but. We are seeing the best of him, and yeah, credit to Bruce. Seems to have got better since he signed the contract, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> you know, the contract. The, the, the contract is a. You know, I think there's been a few things that Newcastle, from a hierarchy point, haven't maybe got right in the last few years. Recruitment. They they they've been scratching around for a policy. I think for for a while that works that they everybody signed up to, but also the contract renewals, um, and they've got a few big decisions to make. Um, you know. The Shelby one is is interesting, isn't it? Because I think four or five weeks ago, you'd have said oh, there's no way that he's going to get another contract, but now he might. Um, I think it's now he must, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and, and and I think I think the interesting thing is, isn't it, that, that Bruce was saying when he came in, give give John Joe Shelby a contract. He wants basically, I think Bruce wants all of the players who are nearly out of contract to, to get contracts. He wants to keep them all, um, and I think the club. I think the club are sort of trying to work on the basis that you know short-term deals maybe for some of the for some of the um, uh, players who reaching kind of a certain age, and it's whether you can agree a two-three. I think you know Matt Ritchie might not might not be the one who stays. I think um, he, he might. You know, I think they're in discussions with him, but it, it's it's that thing, isn't it? Of like you give Dubravka a six-year contract, was it like a, a long-term contract at the age that he is? You're saying we have faith in you and we want you to be a leader in this dressing room and you see the reaction that, that you've got from it. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it doesn't, but you take as a football club, you take those chances and you write the, the, the bad ones off, you know, it doesn't always work. But if you have faith in the football, people with football expertise at your football club, who see them every day, you take those decisions. And I think to Bravka, he's not just a good player on the pitch. I think off the pitch, he's, you know, if you speak to the people at Newcastle, they'll tell you he's a calm presence. He's really, um, you know, he, he speaks really well. Um, you know, he, he's one, another one of these. I think a lot of the players in the squad actually have come through either the lower leagues or come from leagues where, you know, they've gone through a little bit of turbulence along the way and, and it, it builds character. You know, there's not too many of them who've just kind of come as gilded, sort of they, they're going to be the next big thing. Like you had Tzoko, I think sometimes it was, um, you know, he was being told you're going to be the next X, Y, Z. Um, and, and he, you know, sometimes he, Gave off that impression, I think, when he was playing. Whereas Dubravka has come through, you know, different different leagues. He's and he's he's come here, and this is the pinnacle. You know, I know there was some talk about Juventus and things like that in the summer, but this is the pinnacle. This is what he this is what he's worked for, and it's the same for a lot of those guys. Um, and that, and I think that you can see that, and you can see that in those players and the good performances that you're getting from like Dubravka. Shall we, Adam? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he's he's marmite. He's been marmite for the last few years. Lots of people criticised him for, you know, doesn't get any assists, doesn't get any goals. You know, I always thought, you know, if they ever kind of, you know, like in the championship and things, you know, if they ever kind of recorded half assists, like how many moves did he start with a rake and pass to a marauding fullback, etc. Then, you know, but he's absolutely doing the business. I don't think anyone can deny that tactically he's been sound, that he's he's popping up with... He's obviously popping up with goals fifth of the season, fourth in about sort of the last sort of six six odd games. Um, you know, he created four times as many chances than any other Newcastle player on, uh, on 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 Sunday as well. So it's like he is 
he's our biggest he's our biggest goal threat at the moment. He's scoring the most. He's creating the most chances. He's making the, the most sort of final third passes as well. Like he is making a difference to this side. He's the one who can find an ongoing, you know, a counter-attacking Sam Maximan or Almiron. He's the one who who can find them. And even though they're 45 yards away, he will find them. And yeah, we have got some, we have players who have good distribution like Cher, who's obviously just got back in the team. Um, Longstaff, you know, can pick a pass out, but there's nobody can do it quite like John Joe Shelby. And like, it's, it's when he curtails all of the other negative stuff that we sort of would be, would bash him for his mentality his, you know, his lack of t- tactical discipline as well. He's he's sort of seemed in this run of form that he's ha- that he's having at the moment. You know, the captaincy, I think, has made a huge difference to him. He's really he's stepped up and he's shouting at other players. You know, again, like the Bruce thing, let's not get carried away because we know that you know if his head goes down, we could see an absolutely completely different John Joe Shelby. But now, as you said, as you mentioned before, Mark, with set pieces, we we look dangerous again. And he's, his delivery, it's, it's, it's the best in the team. Can I shock you? I've got a tweet from Stephen Murray today who said, John Joe Shelby starts this season, no assists, which seems mental because I totally agree with everything you've just said, and only one booking, which again for him is, uh, yeah. is, is pretty good going after 16 games. He hasn't played every single one. Shelby's always been one that assists. He assists though, hasn't he? Like he's one step back. Do you see what I mean? He's playing the pass into say Maximan, I'll be on, blah, blah, blah. And they're putting the assist into the box. Yeah, I think I think what I like what what's really interesting about Shelby is he kind of needs that point to prove, you know, where, where, where he, it's almost like he feeds off the criticism. You know, we we thought when he came over to the when he scored the other week, it was like, you know, he, he likes that he's, he likes to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder to to prove somebody wrong and get him to listen to the last like six weeks of our well, podcast. And, yeah, on, on I, I, that's it. You saw. You, do you know what? Lock him in a room and, and tell him that everybody, you know, to read him all the things that have been written about him, <laughs> to play all the podcasts that have been been said about him. But he, he's got what what I like about him is that I think he's got you know bravery comes in a few different ways and and um, yeah, Paul Dummer going off the pitch with his uh, you know, with his needing stitches and and you know blood flowing, you know that that's the kind of old school bravery that we kind of associate with football. Um, but there's 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 a type of bravery where you're a creative player in the team, you hit long balls. Um, you know, you, 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 your game is playing really inventive balls that you know other other players other players can't maybe play that pass. And when things aren't going for you, and knowing that that people kind of suspect you to be lazy, even though he's probably not, to still take that play that difficult pass, and to know that take the risk that you're going to get a bit of criticism for it if it doesn't come off. And that's what Shelby's all about for me. He's the kind of one player in that team who keeps playing and and that's what I like also about some maximum is that you know he gets on the ball and even when things aren't going for him he'll, he'll he'll run and he'll run but Shelby I've always felt that about him is that like he is you know he never hides he sometimes disappears out of games because it's maybe not the right game for him and stuff but he, ne- he, he very rarely hides you know he, he's not maybe getting stuck in and doing all that but he, he does he does get him he tries to get involved in the game he tries to pick the pace up I think he was the only one at Villa um in the game he was trying to do that i mean it wasn't coming off for him so he got a lot of, he got a lot of stick for it in the end but he, he is one of those who who does who does make that thing and you know steve bruce has said to him well you're my kind of player um which is fair enough i mean you forget of course steve bruce when hatton Arthur got pedaled out of newcastle yeah. he took a massive risk by taking him to hull 
Um, it didn't work out, obviously, in the end. But he's that kind of manager who we will. I mean, he literally say. didn't work out. Yeah, he didn't. He did. There was that stat, wasn't there, where he'd run less than the goalkeeper in one of the games, uh, which was which was absolutely brilliant. Um, but which I just I, I absolutely love that. And then and then there's a guy who I think plays in the European Championships the year after and is f- brilliant for France. It's like that is just that was happening off, wasn't it? But that's that's Bruce, isn't it? He, he, he will take a chance. I mean, he took um, Aaron's and. Lazar uh, and um, to, to Sheffield Wednesday and it was like he, he, he sort of he's one of these who will sort of say ah oh, do you know what I, I, you know, everybody else has written you off but I'll give you a chance and sometimes it, sometimes it works and it seems to be working with Shelby Definitely let's, let's go negative for a minute keen, keen for your thoughts Mark because you've already stuck up for Joe Linton a little bit Mickey it's uh, the, the difference in not just the game but the stadium yesterday with one striker to another like I wonder what kind of mental impact that has on Joe Linton, who's watching from the sidelines, thinking, does he even think he should be playing? You know, do you hold any hope from playing as a centre forward for Newcastle for the future? I do, yeah, I do. Um, I think he is—he's clearly struggling at the moment. There's no, there's no denying that. But he's not—he's not wanting to be written off yet. You know, he—he's got some physical and mental mental attributes that w- I think will come good in the Premier League. We'll have to—we we'll have to look at this from the perspective that we've signed a young. Brazilian footballer that's been playing like left wing forward for a mid-table team in Germany, brought him to the Premier League, stuck him in at number nine on his own straight away from day one and said, you need to do all of this work on your own and score goals in your first season in the Premier League. Look back through the history of the Premier League and I bet you couldn't name more than 10 players that in their first season have had a real impact on their team, like a real significant impact. And we needed that as a, as a minimum from Joe Linton because he's coming in and replacing Rondon and there's literally no one else to play up front. Now, since then, obviously, we've, we've signed Carroll and we've brought Gale back, who, if we're all honest, doesn't really fit into this system at all and would have to change everything to play Gale. So really, a lot of the a lot of the weight fell on Joe Linton's shoulders straight away and he, he hasn't coped with it that well. I think if we can keep him involved until next season and give him the chance to kind of build himself up and get used to the league and used to the pace and used to the physicality of the Premier League, I think he'll be a useful asset. Can we afford to keep him and 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 keep him in the team until then. And do we have the other people that can kind of fill the spot when he's when he's not there? That's the question mark. Because is Carroll going to be able to play sixty minutes a game for the rest of the season? Probably not. You know, can Gale come in and lead the line against Man United away on Boxing Day? Probably not. So a, a lot of this work is going to fall on Jolinton, and I, I worry a little bit that that because of that, he's not going to get the chance to kind of develop as a player like we need him to. So I, I'm not going to write him off, but I. I am worried, more worried than I've been. You know, after this weekend, I'm more worried than I've ever been about him. I, I think he needs taken out. I, would I don't back, think he should start. I would back Gail, to be honest with you, to make an impact in the Premier League game at the minute more than him. Carroll, for me, has to start at Burnley. There's no, there's no question there. If he's fit enough to start, he has to start. Um, and Joe Linton, to be fair to him, I'm criticising now against Sheffield United. He was all right when he came on. He had some good runs. He looked I thought he was excellent when he came fairly on. dangerous on the counter attack. He fell over when he was about to shoot at a crucial point. But that's just yeah. Joe Linton at the minute, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit there's a bit of him at the moment. He there were times yesterday where he gets the ball and he just takes the wrong decision. He looks timid, doesn't he? he looks like he didn't get in the box. I was shouting at him yesterday, like he was playing balls out and and he kind of played a played a pass out I think to Almiron or it might be Macchio I'm not sure um and and he was just then hanging around the edge of the box and I was like Malcolm McDonald sits pretty close to to us and and he's he's shouting get in the box get in the box you want to score and and I think I think that's the problem is he, he you know 
look, I know people will sort of say about the cliches of giving shirt numbers and does it really matter, but they gave him number nine and a number nine for Newcastle plays a certain way, or that's the theory anyway. And I'm just not sure he's a number nine for Newcastle United, but they've signed him for £40 million because they think he is going to be a number nine. You know, the, the problem is if you came in as a £15 million player, you'd be quite happy with his contribution, but because he's a £40 million player, because he's a number nine, it, it at the moment just doesn't look like he's quite cut out for that role. Um, he's clearly got talent. He's clearly, clearly got talent because you, you look at, you look at the fact that you look at his record, um, you look at the references that he came with, um, you look at the goals that he scored in Germany, some some really good goals, but just for what they wanted, it was it, the problem was that, you know, that summer was a mess because they were trying to sign this guy from about February. Um, <laughs> but the manager, the, the head coach wasn't going to be involved. You know, they, they signed, they brought somebody in as head coach who wouldn't have known anything about him, learning as he goes along. And, and, and it just felt like a mess, really. And I, I worry for him at the moment because, it, like, he mentally doesn't look like... He looked, he looked shot. I mean, he was kind of shaking his head when he came off, wasn't he? He, he looked... He sort of doesn't look like he wants the ball at the moment. The op- exact opposite of John Joe We talk about the bravery, and he looks like he doesn't really want it at the moment. And it, it's, it's like, you know, Almiron is... You know, you feel like the pressure sometimes on him, but... It doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to affect him as much because he keeps running, he keeps making the you know, sometimes with Almiron it's like the comedy effect of like ha- how can a man not score? He does seems to do all these things right and then but in the final third he just collapsed. you know, he does something about him. He, you know, how is he not scored, I don't know. Joe Linton, you couldn't even say, Well, he should have scored there. I, I can't remember a chance that he's had where you think he should have scored that one. There was maybe the header wasn't there. Yeah. Norwich, yeah. But that was a long time yeah. ago. Didn't look like he didn't have a chance really to. I mean, he's not had a chance in the last four or five games that I can remember where I think he should have scored there. It's just not having the chances, and that that's the worry. Um, luckily for him, and if the team were really struggling, I'd, yeah. I'd be like, "Oh, this is d- disastrous." He's gonna probably get away with it a little bit because the team is still scoring goals. Other people are bailing him out. Um, Carroll is gonna bail him out a little bit if he stays fit. Um, so there's that, but. You know, it, it's a worry, isn't it? It's a worry because at the moment, he just doesn't... I, I can't see where the next goal's coming from. In fact, in terms of chances, really, probably Norwich, the Tottenham game, which was a great finish, by the way, when he did get it. Um, but I can't remember him looking like a threat at any point, really. I think the problem is that we've bought a £40 million striker and we're all obsessed with the £40 million because Newcastle... Money. Because Newcastle... Well, it is and it isn't. We don't spend money. In, in the last decade, 12 years, whatever, we don't spend money. So suddenly when you do spend money that we probably should have spent over, yeah, like in one on one player, yes, he's going to get all the he's going to get all the focus. One, it's not his fault that he costs 40, yeah, 40 million pounds. Two, it's not his fault that he's not a target man when we need a target. We have, we play a system with a target man. He couldn't he's not a like for like replacement with Rondon in the in the style of play or, or what he's achieved or his experience at all. That's not his fault. What I think is his fault, what I think is his fault is that, you know, what I think is his fault is that, you know, he's allowing the fact that he's he's getting demoralised and it's affecting his performance. He's allowing that to get to him. And as you said, Mark, before, you know, he doesn't look, you know, Andy Carroll came on and he was running around for everything. Was, even if he wasn't going to reach the ball, he was showing desire. He was showing spirit. He was trying to just make things happen. He was giving the defenders a hard time. Joe Linton is not, he's giving defenders just such an easy ride. And you, you mentioned about the, 
you mentioned about the sort of lack of chances against Sheffield United was one of the first times I saw I've seen this season where he's actually got the ball at his feet he's facing goal and he's running at the defence now how many times has that actually happened we keep lumping balls up to him because you know we play as a tar- he's playing as a target man but that's not it's not he's he's never been a target man presumably for like the last sort of decade that he's been sort of cutting his teeth in the game so like he'll get so he's letting he's letting the negative criticism sort of like really get to him but i just think i think people he he could let people in endeared in, to him more if he just showed a little bit more battle, a little bit more fight, and just didn't have his head down so you, much. You know what people love? One of the biggest cheers of the ground was when Andy Carroll went in and just hoid himself. A tackle. It's, it's, uh, Such a good tackle. A lot of playing right back for Southampton, and it was just so messy and possibly unnecessary, but it just it gets fans off their feet, and we'll have to, we'll have to finish soon because I have a meeting in Gateshead in half an hour. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for all the... You know, I knew yesterday I put a tweet out at, at kickoff saying this feels like a season low. Obviously, Southampton bringing not many doesn't help. But still, after we equalised, and it was really flat before that, but after we equalised, the atmosphere was tremendous. Yeah. And, you know, when we got the winner in, in the whole corner standing up singing and people are going nuts for Andy Carroll, you're like, there is, there is something here to, to, to play with in terms of positivity. We're just, uh, we've just seen the announcement that every season ticket holder will get a free off-season ticket the rest of the season for a friend or family. Um, first come, first serve, it says. You know, good. Uh, you know, if you if you can get something for free and it gets people into the ground and there's an extra 10,000 Newcastle fans, whether it's kids or people who don't normally go because I understand people aren't going to be swayed. A lot of people who've given up aren't going to be swayed by this kind of offer. They're not going because of the money, but there are a lot of people who are not going because it's so expensive to watch football. So fair play at the club for that. We have to finish here. Um, Mark, I want to finish with you and I'll get the last thoughts as well. You know, is has the Steve Bruce era at Newcastle, can it already be considered a success this season? Presuming that we don't have some sort of cataclysmic fallen off. Do you think that he's already done enough to have proved all of the doubters wrong? I mean, I, I'm the problem is at the moment, I, I just want to see... I want to see how it ends ends this season. I think, I think yes is the answer because, you know, we, we got to... Um, we got to sort of when we did in the summer and it looked absolute, it, it was, it looked like a, an accident waiting to happen. It looked like a relegation season waiting to happen. You'd say with 22 points after 16 games, they only need 18 probably to stay up. I mean, they should be able yeah. to get that. Um, and I think staying up, given what he inherited, given what he walked into, all the problems off the field, I think you have to say that that, that would be a success staying up. Um, now it might be a bit of a disappointment to finish sort of 16th, 15th because of where the team are now. Um, but I think, you know, the, the little shoots of recovery, the, the platform maybe that's there to build on, it has been a, it has been a success so so far and, and, you know, hopefully it will be. I'd like to see changes. I'd like to see the wider changes. I mean, we've just talked, you've just mentioned there about the, the free season ticket holders. I mean, the, the club told us this morning that it was something they were going to think about and I thought it was a really positive thing, a really good thing because um, it shows that they're listening and that's been a big problem. And, and it, it, if if they can make these small changes, I mean, you know, things like the fans forum, the changes in that, I think are, are quite positive that they're going to start talking. They're going to start talking to the trust, which is great as well. All of those things to me feel a little bit like baby steps. The big problem is the man in charge who's been proven over the last 10 years to, to be, you know, everything that, that good that happens at the club. At some point, it seems like, 
there's something that comes from him or from people around him that that means you doubt what's going on but you know all we can all we can ask for is progress i think um i don't think he's going to go anywhere anywhere anytime soon so it's like all of us have, you know fans in particular but faced with this choice of like do i let them sort of do i let my misgivings about that ruin the next 10 5 10 years or do i kind of just look at what's actually going on on the pitch and think like believe a little bit and have a bit of faith and the club can the club are going to have to do a lot more to win people back um but for basic thing of the, the manager and the way the players are playing at the moment yes i think it has been a success so far so far but like um like adam said you know there's, there's a big chance for <laughs> like, they could go on and run couldn't they they easily could <laughs> eating some humble pie out of what steve bruce do you think um no not in the sense that i don't think he's the man to take us to where we need to, where where the fans want to be i think I've been quick to praise him when he's needed to be praised. I've been quick to criticise him this season when I felt that things weren't good enough. Um, I think it's still a fairly uninspiring appointment um, considering what people at this club expect. Um, I didn't think he would last the season. I might be wrong about that. But but I, like I say, there's just always this thing around the corner that if the wheels fall off, can, can we then recover from that? That hasn't been the case so far. And I'm, I've, I've enjoyed what I'm seeing at the minute. And I'm, I'm, as Mark said, I'm soaking it up because we don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> Make a final word for you, Team Steve Bruce. Now, yeah, go on. I'm going to say it. I, I'm, 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 I'm on board. I think he's, I think he deserves some credit, and it, he, he's going to find it difficult to get from a lot of places around, around the club and around the fan base. But you know, ultimately, what we're seeing on the pitch, the results are positive. Some of the performances are positive. Some of the some of the way the players are playing are positive. This is quite a positive move. It's quite a little bit, you know, it's a little bit. I don't I don't know what word I'm looking for here. The the, the free season ticket thing is, it is what it is. It's a bit of a PR play. They want they want to get people on board. They want to get the stadium full, but they can't sell the tickets. You know, it, it is but, what it is. But it's but it's going to allow people to go to the match. One one thing is there's forty nine thousand there against Man City. There's fifty thousand there against Man United. So they're sacrificing. So they are. They are sacrificing yeah. some. I mean, I presume they would leave some tickets for public sale. Five percent. They have to leave at least five yeah, percent. Yeah. The, 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 there's a potential for up to potential for up to ten thousand of these half season tickets to go. So, you know that 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 suggests to me that you know that they are they are basically saying, look, the gate revenue is one thing. Um, it it I think it's a good. I think it's a really good thing. But um, you know, obviously for people who are boycotting, they've got their reasons to do it. And I totally respect that as well. Um, but it's a sign that the club are listening and actually doing something practical to kind of try and affect a bit of change. Yeah, roll on, um, roll on June, 2020, when we'll all get 400 quid stuck on the price of a season ticket. Pay for this free one we've given out. <laughs> this has been the true faith podcast. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been brilliant to have you in and we will be back. I'm going to Burnley next week. So back on Sunday or Monday, hopefully for another fantastic Possessionless three points where we'll have about one shot, but I'll take it now. Speak to you then. Cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.